0: Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth, and today we are talking all about one of my favorite kinds of travel or transportation, train travel. Specifically, we're going to talk about train travel in America, which means Amtrak, and it is very different from train travel in a lot of other parts of the world, especially I'm thinking of like Europe and Asia, probably Western Europe. And Asian countries like Japan, Taiwan, South Korea, which are all notorious for having really fantastic train systems, Um, you know, clean and efficient and very fast, and most specifically running on time, which is probably the biggest problem with Amtrak. We're gonna get into all of that, but I think a lot of people don't think about taking the train necessarily when they're traveling in America. You either fly because it's so big and you need to get where you're going quickly, or you drive because car culture is huge in America, and maybe you're doing a fun road trip. But trains are often just sort of not even considered as an option i think for most people i love train travel probably partly because i'm scared of flying which i've spoken about before i once took a train from boston to colorado which yes takes more than 48 hours i had three suitcases with me i was moving so i had all of my stuff basically and i took i spent two nights on the train sleeping in a coach seat rather than taking like a five-hour flight from the east coast to Colorado. That is how much I don't like flying. I mean, there's definitely an appeal to train travel as well. For me, it's not just like it's the alternative to flying. I really like the whole experience, just the vibe and especially being able to see the landscape and the cities outside of the window, like actually see where you're traveling instead of just you know, being above the clouds or being in the sky like on a plane. I like that real physical sensation of moving from one place to another that you kind of miss when you're on a plane. And also train travel facilitates more human interaction, I think, and connections. It's a lot easier to talk to people on a train than it is on a plane, but we're going to get into all of that a little bit later. So like I said, we are focusing in the U.S., which means Amtrak. Amtrak was founded in 1971 as a quasi-public corporation, which means that it is a public company, but the US government owns all of the stocks. So it's basically operated by the government. And its name is a squished together version of America and Track. Which, now that I say that, is actually incredibly ironic because they don't own most of the track that they operate on, which sounds like a boring technicality, but is actually hugely important and the reason why it is notoriously delayed and unreliable. But we're going to get into all of that later. So like I said, I love train travel. I do love Amtrak, even though it's not reliable, it's not fast compared to trains that I've taken in other parts of the world. But I've taken it almost completely across the country a few times. I've done the route from Boston to Colorado twice. That was on the Lakeshore Limited train and the California Zephyr. We're going to talk about these specific routes later on. I will say Amtrak is fantastic at naming their train routes like California Zephyr. That's fantastic. Um, and once I took it from Portland, Oregon to Boston, that was mostly on the Empire Builder train route. So I've been on it long distance quite a few times. I also took a long train ride with my family when I was a child. At that point, we did spring for a room because we were traveling as a family and my parents didn't want little you know, seven-year-old Marjorie to sit up all night in a coach car like I do now. But the more recent trips, I've only had a seat, not a bedroom or a roomette. So yes, those overnights that I had, those two overnights in one trip, were sleeping in my seat in coach. I'm going to tell you all about that. But the reasons that I love train travel, like I said, it doesn't have the anxiety or it doesn't cause the anxiety in me that flying does. It's just much more laid back and chill in terms of getting to the station and boarding. Like you don't have to be there at a specific amount of time and check in and you don't have to go through any security or anything like that. Their baggage. They do have baggage rules, but it's pretty relaxed. Like no one in my experience is really checking what you're bringing on. So if you can carry it, you can bring it on. And it's all just like pretty easy and none of the stress that I associate with flying necessarily. Another pro is, like I said, seeing... Other parts of the country, the scenery, I mean, some of these train routes go through just absolutely stunning scenery, um, you know, the Rocky Mountains or the coasts or even like the pra- <laughs> the plains and the prairies, I just combined those two words, um, of the Midwest are beautiful in their own way as well. And of course, it does get a little tedious looking at a lot of corn, but it's a really cool part of the country that you might not get to see if you're just flying over it all the time it's very leisurely. Like you don't feel like you're in a rush. You know that you're traveling. You definitely have that that excitement of going to a new place and seeing new things, but it's all at like a, a slower pace. Um, you're really experiencing the trip and not just trying to get to the destination. I, yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. You are experiencing the travel and not just getting to The place that you want to go, which is also important. And like I said, talking to people, conversations are much more common on train trips than on planes in my experience. I think just because the trips tend to be longer. So you have more time with other people. And then in places like the observation car or the dining cars, you're sitting with other people. So it's very easy to strike up conversations. And people who take trains generally take them because they want the train travel Um, i mean the east coast definitely has a little bit of like the commuter rail and commuter trains but generally if you're going across much of the country these people have chosen to be on a train so there's lots of interesting conversations to be had there there are definitely some cons as we've already mentioned with amtrak specifically it is nearly always delayed I think the East Coast tends to be a little bit more reliable, like with those commuter trains that I mentioned, but if you're going across the country, it is almost guaranteed that it'll be delayed by anywhere from an hour to, you know, six, eight, ten hour delays. It's really crazy, actually. And I've, the few times that I've taken it, I've just learned to factor that in, like, make sure that I'm spending a night when I get to the destination so that whoever is picking me up doesn't have to worry about the delays. They can just pick me up the next day. But that is probably the biggest con is just it's completely unreliable in terms of arrival and departure time. Another con is that it's just as pricey as flying. You would think like you're taking a train instead of flying. It's going to be a lot cheaper. It's actually not. Usually tickets are Well, they may be a little bit less, but still comparable. I think to travel across the country, it's going to be a couple hundred, several hundred dollars. So basically just the same, which is a bummer. Another con or pro, depending on how you look at it, is that it takes a long time. So it's not as convenient as flying necessarily, but I think that aspect of time can also be a pro, like we said. So pros and cons. Here are some fun facts about Amtrak. I already mentioned the name stands for America and Track. Amtrak serves more than 500 destinations in 46 states and three Canadian provinces. So even though it's an American company, it's not just in America. They operate more than 300 trains daily over 21,400 miles of track, which is 34,000 kilometers. So That is a lot of distance to cover. The first Amtrak train left New York City on May 1st, 1971. And speaking of the track, the Service Act of 1970 provided Amtrak with rights on host railroads and gave it preference over freight transportation. That sounds very dry. Again, it's actually hugely important for Amtrak. Like I said, they don't own most of the track that they operate on and that causes the problems with the delays i'm going to explain that in a little bit i actually think it's very interesting but first the more important information if you are planning or considering a trip on amtrak you are allowed two free checked bags when you travel on amtrak which is really cool um, especially compared to flying. (laughs) And like I said, it's much less regulated in general. So no one is really checking what you're bringing on board. You do have to like officially check your bags if you are checking them and not carrying them on. But in terms of what you bring on board, again, it's whatever you can carry basically. So that is how I moved myself and all my possessions from Boston to Colorado. I checked two bags and then I carried one suitcase and a huge backpack and a purse and probably a tote bag or a grocery bag or something like that. Uh, But it was all for free, which was incredible. That was part of my consideration why I chose to take the train instead of flying for that trip specifically. Again, I didn't want to fly, but I also thought once I add up all of these fees for the extra checked bags and probably overweight and all of that stuff, it's going to be much more expensive, whereas all of my luggage on Amtrak was free. So that was definitely a benefit of that choice. As I mentioned, there are different rooms and different uh, classes of seats of carriages that you can be in on the train. This does vary depending on what route you are going on. I don't think every train has a first class, but some of them do have a first class in addition to the coach class. I don't really know what the difference is there. Um, Coach has always been great in terms of seats. The seats are very roomy, especially compared to airplanes, and they have a little... Uh, bottom part of the seat that flips up to extend the seat and kind of make it into like a bed when you recline, which helps when you are spending overnights on the train. But if seats are not your jam, you can also get a roomette, which I love that word, a roomette. A roomette is two seats that face each other during the day, but at night someone comes around and folds them down into an upper and a lower bunk. So you get beds, you get seats, and you have a little bit of privacy there but if you need more room you can opt for a bedroom which has twice as much space as a roomette it also has a sofa and an armchair and a private bathroom and sink so that's like the full bedroom situation you can also get a bedroom suite which combines two bedrooms for extra room and a family bedroom is designed to fit four people two adults and two children i think that's what my family and i did when we traveled, because I remember two of the beds were longer and two of the beds were very small, probably for the children, but my sister happens to be very tall and my mom happens to be very short like me. So my mom and I had the small beds and my dad and my sister had the longer beds in that situation. And speaking of sleeping, I mentioned this a couple times, let's talk about sleeping overnight in a coach seat. I said that the seats are actually much comfortable than what you would have on an airplane. And most of the times that I've had to do my overnights, I've had both my seat and the one next to me, which is awesome because you flip up that bottom part of the seat, you recline both of them all the way. And if you're short like me, you basically have a bed. You can kind of, I was able to curl up across all of the seats and, you know, it wasn't too bad. I mean, okay, Wait, <laughs> it's one of those situations where in the moment, you're like, what am I doing? This is awful, why did I do this to myself? But in retrospect and in planning for it the next time, you're like, it's fine, it's no big deal, I can do it. Uh, that is definitely my experience. So would I do it again? Yes. Would I hate myself in the moment for doing it? Also yes. Really, it's not that bad though. Probably the worst thing for me is that it gets really cold. Uh, Trains are not well insulated, even when it was not the winter and I was traveling, it's just really cold at night, so you want to make sure that you have plenty of layers. That's probably what was most uncomfortable for me. It's also incredibly common to sleep overnight in the coach seat, like don't think that you're going to be weird for doing this, everyone else gets a bedroom. Most trains that I've been on are full or nearly fully booked. I will, I mean, like I said, I did get both of those seats several times, so maybe like half full to fully booked. Uh, But tons of people are doing overnights in the seat so it's not like you're stingy or weird or whatever for doing that and i will say from talking to people train passengers kind of divide into two types i won't say two classes that sounds a little bit weird but there's people like me who would never pay for a bedroom unless i was doing this like with another person or for a big trip where I was going on the train for the sake of going on the train or something like that, but just for traveling to get to point A to point B, I'm not going to spring for a bedroom. That's one type of person. The other type of person who I've spoken with, had many conversations with on the train are the people who 100% go for the bedrooms and would never even consider spending the night in a seat. Um Those are always kind of awkward conversations where they cannot understand what I'm doing and I'm like, I don't want to pay hundreds and hundreds of extra dollars just to have a legit bed to sleep in for one night. Anyway, just a little social observations there. When you are at the station, there are people called the red caps. These are Amtrak assistants that are free for all passengers, which is super cool because it sounds like something that might only be available for like first class or people who paid for bedrooms or whatever. But these are just general assistants that are free. They help everyone. You know, they can help with baggage, give you directions within stations. They drive the little motor vehicle cars that help people around, general assistants, all that kind of stuff. And of course, you recognize them by their red shirt and caps. figure. So that's a really, you know, so that's a really important thing to know about. You can get help while you are in the station completely for free, although they do accept tips. Now, some of the famous Amtrak routes. This is where my wanderlust really gets going. Like I said, they are, well, To some extent, they're fantastic at naming the roots. I think some of the roots should probably be renamed because they may be a little culturally insensitive, but many of them are just very evocative of travel and scenery and the vastness that is America, I think. So like I said, there's the California Zephyr, which I've traveled on I think three times, And it has been named by many as one of the most beautiful train trips in all of North America. I'm reading from the Amtrak website at this point. (laughs) The California Zephyr takes you from the beautiful city of Chicago to the city by the bay, San Francisco, over three days. It is incredible. I've taken the section between Chicago and Denver many times. Actually, past Denver. Um, to like Glenwood Springs or Grand Junction, because we go through the Rocky Mountains. It leaves Chicago in the afternoon, so you get a little bit of afternoon, evening, and then you wake up the next morning in the flat part of eastern Colorado, which is always weird because you think Rocky Mountains, you think mountains, Colorado. Eastern Colorado is prairie. It's completely flat. So you wake up to that, and then by like mid-morning, you're getting into Denver, You leave Denver and this is where the scenery happens. A lot of people get on the train in Denver just for this part of the route where you go through the mountains. Um, there's the Colorado River, there's the climb into the Rocky Mountains, there's the aspen trees, there's the snow, depending on what season you're traveling. There are some really famous tunnels that you go through. If it's summer or spring or whatever, there's people rafting on the Colorado River. And it is tradition for rafters to moon any train that goes by. So that's a fun little benefit if, that, if that's your jam or whatever. Uh, but it is very funny. That was a hilarious experience when I did this route in the summertime. Um, so this one is really famous and people, this is one of those routes that people travel on just for the scenery, not just for the transportation. So California Zephyr, fantastic. Another one that I mentioned is the Empire Builder. This one, according to the Amtrak website, follows in the footsteps of Lewis and Clark, mountain ranges, national parks, glaciers, and the forests of the Pacific Northwest. I don't remember so much of this one. It was many years ago that I was on it, but I do remember crossing the Continental Divide. Uh, That was really cool. And another thing about these trips is that the conductors are basically your tour guides. So especially if you're hanging out in the observation car, they are pointing out different features of what you're seeing scenery or historical places or whatever is outside the window they'll tell you what's going on so you get a little bit of a tour experience as well which is really really cool i just remember going through the continental divide they pointed that out as well Um, another one of the perhaps more insensitively named routes is the southwest chief This is an adventure from Chicago to Los Angeles across the vast expanse of the fabled West, known as the Train of the Stars, following the footsteps of celebrities enjoying the natural beauty on this memorable journey. I don't have anything to add about that one, I've never been on it, but that is a weird description talking about celebrities. Another one is the Coast Starlight. I've also never been on this, but I love the name and the route also sounds fantastic. The Coast Starlight provides a link between the popular cities of Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. So this one is going up and down the West Coast. And finally, the Capital Limited, traveling the scenic farmland of Ohio and Indiana, the Allegheny Mountains, and the beautiful Potomac Valley along the... B and O. I don't know what B and O is. the B and O line. I hope that's not something obvious. I'm gonna feel really stupid after this. but the B and O line, the flagship service also covers such destinations as Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So more on the East Coast, a little more within cities and things like that. But those are some of the famous routes. There's also so many more, uh, but those are some of the ones that people travel on just for the scenery. Okay, some other things to know about Amtrak. I've already mentioned a couple of times the different cars, like the observation car. So there are several different cars on Amtrak trains. Not all of the trains have the same cars, it depends. Uh, But generally there will be the cars for the seats. Usually for coach, like I said, some of them have first class as well. There are many, many, many cars for the seats. You need to remember which one you are in because when you're walking up and down the train, it is very, very easy to lose track or get confused and then have no idea where your seat is. So pay attention to that. There's also on some of the routes, the observation car. The California Zephyr does have this. I think a lot of the longer, more scenic routes do, but the East Coast commuter-type trains don't usually have this. The observation car is all glass, so all windows you can see everywhere, and the seats are facing the windows, and they're more for relaxing. They're not like the two together rows of seats that you find in Coach. And the observation car is a fantastic place to hang out. There's also tables that you can sit at, booths. This is where you end up talking to a lot of people. I usually go with a book, with a snack, and you know, I can read, I can chat, I can look at all the scenery. It's wonderful. I love it. On my last trip on the California Zephyr from Chicago to Colorado, the train was actually 100% full. And this was because Southwest had had all of those flight cancellations recently. So a lot of people who had been planning to fly places ended up getting on the train and it was 100% full. They told us that many times and they actually put us through like shifts in the observation car because it's such a popular route for people wanting to see the scenery So people were on that train just to be in the observation car, basically, but it's only one car. It only has maybe a capacity for like 50 people. So they put us on two hour shifts. (laughs) It was, you can stay here for two hours, then you have to go back to your seat and another group of people comes in. So that does happen. It does get really popular and it can be hard to find a seat, but I think that actual like maxed out capacity is hopefully pretty rare i've never encountered it before but that is the observation car also downstairs in the observation car is the snack bar uh the snack bar basically only has junk food and coffee um that's no i'm not shaming it in any way i eat a lot of the food there but just know that if you're traveling on amtrak for an extended period of time you want to be prepared with your own snacks or to eat in the dining car dining car coming in a second back to the snack car. (laughs) Like I said, they have coffee, they have snacks. It's a lot of like chips and breakfast sandwiches and hot dogs and cup of noodles and uh, pastries (laughs) and things like that. So I usually go for coffee. I get coffee there. It's horrible, but you know, whatever you're on a train. And then I will ask them for like hot water because they'll also do things like that. I get hot water and make myself instant oatmeal that I've brought, maybe with like some cut up apple that I've also brought or other things that I can add to it. So I try to come prepared with my own things for like breakfast and snacks and Stuff like that. Not that there's anything wrong with eating like a cup of noodles or chips, but just personally, that's not gonna make me feel great for like a 48 hour train ride. So I do try to bring a lot of my own food. And they also give you, like I said, the hot water or ice. I had a situation where I got a really bad bug bite once on a train and my whole finger swelled up. And so I went to the snack car and they gave me a cup of ice. So they're good for snacks, but they're also good for anything like snack or food or drink adjacent that you might need. And the people who work there are, in my experience, completely friendly, uh, really happy to help and just like super fun to talk to. So that's the snack car. There's also the dining car. I've only done the dining car one time just because... It's a bit of a process uh, because there are so many people on the train. The dining car doesn't have really the capacity to serve everyone, so... Meals are in very strict shifts and you definitely have to reserve. You have to make a reservation ahead of time for a very specific time done in like quarter hour increments and a table seats for people. And so if you are traveling by yourself or with a different number of people, you're going to be put with another group. Like They don't waste any seats in the dining car. The food is also very expensive. Uh, Well, no, I say very expensive. It's like a restaurant price, basically. I think I ended up paying like $25 for an entree and like a soft drink or something and just with the whole hassle of booking and being there at a specific time And for me a little bit of the awkwardness of sitting with strangers Although that is also one of the benefits of it But just the whole process I found didn't really appeal to me So i've only done it the one time but there is also the dining car And if you have a bedroom, your meals at the dining car are included in the price of the bedroom. So that is definitely a benefit as well. And if you're going on a longer trip, it can be good to get some real meals in and not just like snacks that you brought and stuff from the snack car. Some trains also have a quiet car, not all of them, but this is where you can go to sit and you are asked to not talk on phones, not talk to other people, if you have to speak only very quietly, all that sort of library stuff. And the quiet cars are mostly on the shorter Amtrak routes, which is interesting. There's also, like, if the train has first class, there will be a first class car. There will also be a sleeper car for the bedrooms and the roomettes and things like that. Some trains also have a vehicle car, which allows you. To bring your own car on the train, but those are only very, very specific trains. So, those are generally the different cars that you will find on a train. And now, my biggest gripe with Amtrak, other than the delays, which are not really their fault, I'm still going to get into that in a second. My biggest gripe with Amtrak is the routes. I didn't realize this until I was trying to plan my trip back from the East Coast last fall. I was like, I have this Amtrak Pass. It was like two or $300, and I get 10 trips on any train, any route. You know, it's an incredible deal. I thought, I'll just sort of meander my way across the country from Boston back to Colorado. And then I actually started looking at the routes, and I realized, oh my gosh, I can only go very, very specific places. So the routes on the East Coast, and just FYI, I'm probably going to go back and forth between saying route and route because I don't really know the difference, but the routes on the East Coast do go North-South a little bit because that's how the East Coast is, and then on the West Coast, there's that Coast Starlight route that goes North-South, but across the country, there is a Northern route, there is a Middle route, and there is a Southern route. So you could go across the country in the South, in the Middle, in the North, but There's no north-south route running between those in the middle of the country. So for example, I didn't want to go from Chicago back to Colorado because I'd already done the California Zephyr. There weren't really any places that I wanted to stop in the middle. I wanted to go like up north and then down to Colorado or down south and then up to Colorado. You can't do that. It doesn't exist. You have to go all the way to the West Coast and then up or down and then back across to Colorado. I hope this is making sense. It's hard to explain. It'd be easier to see it. But you are very limited in where you can go via these Amtrak routes, which is kind of frustrating. I mean, of course, there are always going to be like train hubs where a lot of routes go to, and you have like Chicago is a big hub. So, you know, going anywhere, you may have to go through Chicago or something like that. But I just thought for sure that I'd be able to like go down through the south and see Texas, which I've never been to see, you know, Arizona, and then immediately go north to Denver. But I couldn't do that. I'd have to go all the way around through California and then back to Denver. And that just like wasn't feasible for what I was doing at the time. So that is my biggest complaint about Amtrak other than delays is sort of the limitations of the routes. And I know that America is huge and I know that they can't serve everywhere, but it just seems that at least like, at least in the middle, give us a North South route, or at least like in two or three places across the, the middle of the US, there should be some way to get up or down. But there's really not. If you have found one, let me know. But I think I did a lot of searching to try to find like, there's definitely no main route, but maybe like a subsidiary thing or some other way to get there. But there's really not, which is a bummer. Not if you're traveling by trains. All right, into the issue of the delays. Amtrak is always delayed. We talked about this. And I did some digging into why. I was a little bit confused. Because on Amtrak's website, they state that they share tracks with freight trains that always get priority. Like I said at the beginning, Amtrak doesn't own most of the tracks they operate on, so they share them with these freight companies and the freight trains get priority. However, according to a document called Amtrak's Rights and Relationships with Host Railroads from 2017 on the Department of Transportation website, the Rail Passenger Service Act of 1970 provides Amtrak with rights on host railroads, including Amtrak preference over freight transportation. So according to this official act in 1970, Amtrak is supposed to have rights over the freight trains. But on Amtrak's website, they said they don't have rights over the freight trains. I was very confused. Further, this document says rail passenger transportation provided by Amtrak has preference over freight transportation in using a rail line, junction, or crossing. A host may seek to have the preference modified by demonstrating that providing preference quote, materially will lessen the quality of freight transportation provided to shippers, but no host has sought to demonstrate this. So a freight company could say like, well, it's going to hurt our whatever we're transporting to our customers, so we need to have preference over Amtrak. None of them have ever brought that issue up, officially made that argument or that request. So Amtrak should still get priority over these freight trains. I was still confused. I continued digging. On a different place than Amtrak's website, I found this. By law, Only the Department of Justice can enforce Amtrak's right to preference over freight, and it has brought only one enforcement action against a freight company in Amtrak's history, 40 years ago. As a result, freight railroads suffer no significant consequences for prioritizing their freight over our rail passengers. So technically, legally, Amtrak is supposed to have preference over the freight trains, but in practice the freight trains just don't give them that preference and no one does anything about it so that is why the trains are always delayed because they have to stop if a freight train is coming by or if a freight train is on the same tracks they have to i mean you can't pull over but they have to let the freight train go first so also on that section of amtrak's website they ask us, they ask riders to contact our members of Congress to complain about this because the Department of Justice is the only one who can actually enforce that, and they don't. So that is why Amtrak is perpetually delayed because freight trains bully their way in first. And I know that, that freight is important and transportation is important in the country, but It is very curious to me that this was written into the act that Amtrak is supposed to come first, and it just simply doesn't, and no one does anything about it. Anyway, at least for myself, I'm glad I got to the bottom of it because I had seen both of those statements in different places at different times, and also on the train, of course, because my last trip, we were delayed. We were delayed because of a freight train, and they said, like, there's nothing we can do. The freight train has to go through. Um, but then I also read that Amtrak is supposed to come first and I was very confused. So, at least for my own p- peace of mind, I have an answer. All right, we're almost to the end, but there are some things that I want you to know before you travel on Amtrak plan ahead. We've spoken a lot about plane tickets and how to try to get the best deal and how there's not necessarily a specific amount of time out from your trip that you should buy your ticket to get the best price because ticket prices fluctuate quite a lot. Train train tickets are not really like that. They tend to just get more expensive the closer you get to your trip. So the earlier that you can buy your train ticket, the better usually for your prices. Number two, I mentioned this before, dress in layers or bring a blanket. It gets cold at night. There's nothing worse than like trying to sleep in a seat and also being freezing cold. Prepare for that. (laughs) Number three, also mentioned this, cafe cars basically only have fast food and snacks. So if you want anything, you want any kind of fruit or vegetables for the time that you're on the train, you need to bring it yourself. Number four, This is important. Some routes have Wi-Fi, but some of them don't, even the longer ones. The California Zephyr does not have Wi-Fi, so just be prepared for that, plan for that. Currently, COVID times, masks are required the whole time you are on your train, except when you are eating. And Amtrak is not messing around with this. They will give you one warning to put your mask back on, and if they have to ask you again, they're gonna kick you off the train. And this is actually, they mentioned this many, many times when I was on the train that like you get one warning and then you're off. I was talking to a friend who also recently took a train and she said that they were threatening to kick people off like in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, and actually kind of using that as like incentive to put your mask on. Like we're in the middle of nowhere. There is no plane. There is no other train you can get. There are no hotels around here. Like don't make us kick you off. So they're not messing around with that. Except that they're not great at noticing when people don't have their masks on. I, yeah, in the observation car, I noticed many people without their masks on or, you know, pulled down under their chin. And there was just no one really around to say anything about it. Or the conductor walked through but didn't notice or whatever. So it's like they have great policy and I think they would enforce it, but they're just not. They don't have the eyes everywhere to see it. And as someone who does wear a mask and cares a lot about that, it's really frustrating to me. (laughs) But that's my own thing. Number six. I have not been counting. I think this is number six. Generally, stops are always announced. They will tell you when you're, you know, 30 minutes out from the next stop so you can start preparing, but they don't announce stops overnight. So between like, 10-ish p.m. and maybe like 6 a.m., they don't announce stops. You have to be prepared and make sure that you wake up and that you get off the train at the right place. At some stops, they do have like smoking breaks where anyone can get off and stretch your legs, walk around, but not all of them. And unless the train is delayed, they're not very long. So it's usually only a couple minutes and you really have to listen for the all aboard and make sure you get back on the train. Number eight there is a huge debate for every route on which side of the train offers the best views. And of course, it's opposite if you're going different directions and all that. Generally, there are good views on both sides for different sections. But according to Amtrak's website, if you're traveling west, you'll experience the best views on the right side of the train. And if you're traveling east, be sure to sit on the left side. They don't even break that down for the different routes, they just say it's a West-East thing, so do with that what you will. (laughs) And if you happen to be rolling in the dough, you can charter an Amtrak train. For $30,000, you can book your own Amtrak train. However... If you happen to have your own train car, you can pay to hitch it to an Amtrak train and be towed on one of their routes. So if you have your own train car, but no engine, never fear, you can hitch it to an Amtrak train. (laughs) That's hilarious. I think I have a new life goal, own my own train car and just like tail along behind all the Amtrak trains. (laughs) All right, this was your primer on Amtrak. Like I said, it's pretty different from train travel in a lot of other countries. If you have your own Amtrak experience, whether it's like fantastic and you love train travel or unfortunately maybe it's a horror story, those do happen, I would love to hear about it. You can send any messages or questions to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and on Twitter at goingoutyour. Let me know if you have any upcoming train travel planned. I would love to hear about it and I will talk to you next time on Going Out Your Door.